ESPN 97.5 and 92.5 proudly present The Killer Bees. Definitely fan of The Killer Bees. Don't sweat the technique. Live from the Mobile Veritex Community Bank Studios at the Decoy, here now are The Killer Bees, Joe Blank and Jeremy Branham. Oh, hell yeah. You about to get all stung up. Ooh, what up, H-Town? Hey, how we doing? He's Blank. I'm Branham. It's Joe George behind the glass at Gow. It's Brian McDonald live and in person, the on-site engineer at the Decoy, where the Decoy's got some unbelievable stuff always going on. But how about this Saturday, where you can cheer on the Texans on their giant 24-foot indoor TV, massive 185-inch TV on the patio. If you come wearing your Texans gear, you get $2 Modelo drafts and Mexican candy shots all day. That's all day. Not just when the Texans are playing. That's all day. After the game, stay for UFC 297. What a great sports day, huh? And enjoy $19 Modelo beer towers and $100 Don Julio bottles. And, of course, there is never a cover for UFC and boxing events at the Decoy. Visit thedecoyhtx.com today. Reserve your spot. Great place to watch the Texans. Great place to stay. Watch UFC 297. A great card there. And it's a good spot to have a little bit of Modelo, it sounds like. Uh, Texans, Ravens, Saturday. Obviously, the theme where you get to a lot of stuff today it's a wednesday uh, joe makes faces on wednesday why is he making faces today we're going to take a look at the uh, stroud and bad weather games and lamar jackson in bad weather games kind of see how they stack up how they compare uh, rockets aren't playing very good basketball right now is that a trend is it a slump are we concerned uh, we'll get into that all of that all of that very busy show for the next few hours right here killer bees espn 97.5 espn 92.5 blakers i went back and watched the uh the Ravens and the Texans in week one. And just the first question, how much stock can you, should you put in a game that was not only week one of the NFL season, but it was also C.J. Stroud's NFL debut? Yeah, Jeremy, I was thinking about this the other day when D'Amico said that he went back and looked at that tape, and I was like, man, it seems like it was more than a year ago. And from to answer your question, to me, I don't put a whole lot of stock into it at all because – that was CJ basically just coming out of the womb and being as fresh of a baby in this league as you could be. And now it seems like he's got more experience than you could ever imagine, has impressed people more than they ever could have dreamed, and he's a totally different player. And even from a Baltimore standpoint, I mean, their defense was good, but the way that they looked, they didn't look like a great team. They didn't look like the one seed in the AFC. And, and that game was 7-6 to six at the half. And, and when you look at it, you know, a lot of teams, especially with veteran players, they kind of take a pass on the preseason, and it takes them a few weeks of the regular season to get going. So from both sides, I, I just I, I don't put a whole lot of stock into it because the Texans evolved into, I, I guess both teams really evolved into completely different teams than who they were that week. Yeah, I mean, that was uh, four or five months ago. <laughs> that, yeah. that was, it was so long ago. So I'm, I'm on your side of this. I, I don't think that you can put – much stock in it. Now, I think it's good to go back and kind of have an idea of what each team looked like. I think it's fun to see the maturity, uh, especially from a Texans point of view. But you, you look at some of the things that happened in that game, I think you can take a little bit out of it. Uh, like, I, I think now it's not so much specific to the Texans-Ravens. I think this is more specific to defending Lamar Jackson. Like, I think the Texans have to have a really good, not only defensive line game, but I think their defensive tackles need to be really good. Malik Collins, Sheldon Rankins, because you, you notice whenever like Lamar can 
you know, break the pocket and run for tons of yards, whether it's designed, whether it's off schedule, whether it's throwing. But whenever he scrambles on a pass play and he gains big chunks of yards, there's one of two ways he's doing it. Either he's escaping the pocket, rolling out, and getting away from the defensive line, or he's shooting the B and C gaps because yeah. the defensive ends are forcing him into the pocket, step into the pocket, and he can kind of just squirt out, which means you need really good interior defensive line play. Like I put more weight on Malik Collins and Sheldon Rankins than I do – on John Grenard, depending on his health, and Will Anderson. I think that the defensive tackles, if you were to beat the Ravens, have to be phenomenal on Saturday. Yeah, I don't disagree with you, Jeremy, but I think it's going to be like in unison, right? I I think that I don't care as much about how many sacks they get on Lamar as much as I care about them being able to contain just the things you were talking about. The fact that you're going to have to have both ends hold the edge. You're going to have to have the defensive line kind of clog the gaps and try to get early penetration so that he doesn't have as many holes to squirt through and opportunities to get chunk yards. And I think that's, that's almost more important than getting sacks. You can get pressures, but I think that, you know, that more important than just about any quarterback in this league, you've got to be able to stay in your lanes. You can't overrun plays on the edge and allow him to kind of <clears throat> have escape ability going around you to get back to the edge. So I think that, that that's a big deal right now, more so than just the sacks on him. And I think to your point, you know, when when watching that game, what you can really take away from is just tendencies of maybe a new offensive coordinator early in the year that maybe still show their head. You know, maybe it, it shows that that's kind of the way th- that they want to do things. Um, you can look at that from a coaching staff pers- perspective. I think more tape that's valuable to the Texans are going to be taking a look at some of the games where the Ravens might have struggled, trying to see what defenses worked against Lamar and, and against the team as a whole offensively or, or, or defensively what they were schematically trying to do just to try and you know capitalize on those things in terms of preparing for this week. Like pressures matter a lot, but do they matter the least with Lamar Jackson? Because like pressuring him can lead to bad things for your defense. Like pressuring yeah. him can lead, oh, I'm going to roll out and just going to sprint by you, juke your linebacker, and all of a sudden I'm in the third level for a 35-yard gain. So like pressures matter. I'd rather have a pressure than not have a pressure. But I don't think there's a quarterback in the NFL where pressures matter less than Lamar Jackson. That's right, because of his escapability, because he can be Houdini in so many ways. It's like we were talking about with Mahomes. We were trying to figure out who the, who they might play. Mahomes essentially is going to just try and get off script. He, he goes off script first, and then he, he kind of still assesses, assesses, and then most of the time he's squirting forward, up in the stepping up in the pocket, and then trying to get out. Whereas Lamar can beat you inside the pocket, outside the pocket, in, su- in such a variety of ways. And a lot of times when you do get pressure on him, that's when those gaps expose themselves even more and those opportunities light up for him, and then he's in attack mode with his legs. Yep. 713-780-ESPN, do you put any stock in that week one game? Now, going back, in, like that's one of the observations to me. A lot of it was more personnel, because I'm with you. I, I don't think you can take a whole lot of X's and O's from that week one. The Texans were playing some 4-3. When they were going nickel, they had Tavier Thomas because they had just cut Desmond King. Uh, Jimmy Ward did not play in that game. In fact, a couple trivia questions for you guys. Who started next to Jalen Petrie at safety in that game, if you can remember? It, it blew my mind. Oh, man. Yeah. I mean, it was Eric Murray. <laughs> Eric oh, Murray wow. was the starting safety in that game alongside Jalen uh, Petrie. Mark Andrews did not play in that game, period. He didn't play. Yeah. 
Didn't play in that game. Uh, watching that game made me miss Tank Dell a lot. It made me kind of sad. Brought a little bit of a tear to my eye. Here's another trivia question for you from that game. Do you remember who C.J. Stroud's first completion was to? His first completion in his NFL career, do you remember who he completed it to? Himself. That's right. He completed it to himself. Isn't that funny? That is unbelievable. And credit to Brian McDonald because he, he shouted that out immediately. He remembered it vividly. So give, give BMAC credit on that one. Congratulations, Brian McDonald. Here's, an, here's another one for you because, like, remember early in the year, the first few weeks of the season, the running game was atrocious. You couldn't get yeah. anything going on the running game, and, and Pierce was struggling, and, you know, you still didn't really know what you had so much in Singletary, and it took them a while to flip it. It took them a while to flip Singletary uh, to Pierce. In fact, it might have even taken the ankle injury before Singletary really took the reins of being the number one running back, and then he never looked back. In fact, that's exactly what it was. But going back and looking at that game just guess how many carries pierce had in singletary had oh boy i would say at that point they were still hell-bent and force-feeding pierce in the running game i would say he had keep in mind this game was kind of like out of hand in the second half so the text like the texans threw the ball 44 times in that game stroud threw it 44 times in that game i'm gonna say 18 to 4 Kind of close. Pierce had 11 and Singletary had 7. It was actually close to 50-50, but that's because he kind of got out of hand in the second half. Now, Pierce actually had a better game than Singletary in that game. Uh, Pierce had 38 yards on 11 carries. Singletary had 15 yards on uh, on 7 carries. I think I got one more for you. Yeah. Who was the Texans punter? Because it cracked me up whenever I saw this. Who was the punter? Who was the punter? No, he's he's actually in the NFL. In fact, the Texans saw him the other day. God, I, I don't, don't even know. Think Brian, I don't even think Brian McDonald they, knows this one. They the savant, let Brian McDonald. They let anger go right in the offseason, and then yeah, he went I think to Dallas. Anger, anger was, I think, he actually last year. Right, he was last year. Uh, it was God, a. I, have no idea. I don't even. You might not even remember the name. Like I, I don't know if many would remember the name of Ty Zentner. Wow. <laughs> remember, I, he could, was, I could ask you who he's punting for now because I wouldn't even still be able Tennessee. to Tennessee. He, he's he's with Tennessee. Okay. He's oh, with Amy the Skunk got another ex-Texan. There you go. Which is not surprising at all. She gets a, a bunch of ex-Texans. So it's uh, <laughs> it's it's funny how you look at uh, the Titans lineage and a bunch of their uh, a bunch of the players that they have, and they they came from that they came from there. But to me, defensively, just going back and watching this one, that's what you're going to have to do. Your defensive line is going to have to be really good. I would put emphasis on the defensive tackles even more so than the defensive ends. But you're right; they have to be very good as well. Um, Andrews questionable. Like they say, they had a really good day. I kind of get the I kind of get the feel that he's going to play, but be on a pitch count. Like I think they were going to try to give him like ten plays. That's kind of my hunch on where where I'm at with if they play Mark Andrews or not. Because I think that they need to. I, I think that they need to see what they have with uh, his ankle injury. Now you don't want to overdo it, and the Ravens have aspirations of winning a Super Bowl. But I think you need to start figuring out now how much he can take. So I think he'll be I think he'll be activated, and I think that he'll play. I just think it's going to be limited. It's kind of my guess on Andrews, but you didn't play uh, Mark Andrews in week one. So you really have no idea there. And then the, the running game for, for the Ravens was a lot different than two. You, they still had J.K. Dobbins. In fact, yeah. I think J.K. Dobbins got hurt in that game. Um, I think you're right. I think, yeah, he came back and then he got like hurt the right end then. Zone, right? Yep, yep. Because Might have been on the touchdown, actually. And wasn't there, like, didn't the running backs have three touchdowns in that game? Uh, yeah, Justice Hill had two. Oh, Justice right, Hill yeah. had eight carries, nine yards, and two touchdowns. Oof. He averaged a Jeez. yard point. Sounds like a goal line back. 
Yeah, sounds like – I mean, and you wouldn't think that from Justice Hill. You would no. think that with, uh, with Gus Edwards. So two very different teams. The, the Texans the Texans actually, like, they have their two leading catchers in that game. Like, Nico Collins caught seven pa- uh, six passes. You have him. Robert Woods caught six passes. You have him. And then Baltimore all top of their three guys, Zay Flowers, Odell Beckham, Rashad Bateman. They have them. So uh, the receiving game about the same, running game completely different for both teams, and, and the personnel both sides is pretty hilarious. All right, very busy show for you today. Joe makes faces on uh, Wednesdays. Why are the Rockets struggling? Astros, eh, they're looking for relief pitching, but is the price too high for the Astros? And also this gauntlet the Texans have been on, uh, incredibly valuable for the long term. When we come back, we, we took a lot of heat blankers for, for uh, saying embrace the suck. Well, that's yeah. the reason they're winning. Chalk another one up to tanking. 713-780-ESPN. We're on the Twitch, twitch.tv slash ESPN975. He's at Pac-Man Joel on Twitter. Joe's at Joe George Radio. I'm at Jeremy Branham. 713-780-3776. Texans tanking for the win. It's the Killer Bees on ESPN975 and ESPN925. At Granger, we're for the ones who specialize in saving the day and for the ones who've mastered the art of keeping business moving. We offer industrial-grade supplies for every industry with same-day pickup and next-day delivery on most orders, all backed by real people ready to help. So you can get the right answers and products right when you need them. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Back to the Mobile Veritex Community Bank Studios, live at the decoy, and your favorite drive-time sports talk, the Killer Bees. Here they are, Joel and Jeremy. Ravens uh, just waved uh, Melvin Gordon. Oh, this oh, was wow. a big deal if it was eight years ago. Uh, last yeah, time exactly. Melvin Gordon was good. Or if he was uh, back blank. in Wisconsin, where he was very good. I didn't even know he played at Wisconsin. Yep. There you go. I, anytime I need to know a little bit Wisconsin Badger stuff, you're my go-to. I'm here. Uh, he's like blank. You and, Mike, you and the Cougs. That's right. Exactly. Uh, which, you know. Uh, we're broadcasting at the decoy. Blankers is out there. This Saturday at the decoy, we swing on by. Cheer on the Texans and our giant 24-foot indoor TV, massive 185-inch TV on the patio. If you wear your Texans gear all day, not just during the game, all day, you get $2 Modelo drafts, Mexican candy shots, and then after the game, stay for the UFC 297 card, enjoy $19 Modelo beer towers, that's cheap, and $100 Don Julio bottles. Uh, never a cover for UFC and boxing at the decoy. Visit the decoy HTX dot com uh, to today to reserve your spot. Make sure you're locked and loaded for the Texans and UFC uh, 297. So D'Amico Ryan's was uh, talking yesterday, you know, much about the success of the Houston Texans and why they've been good. Here was D'Amico Ryan's answer to why you've won the AFC South this year. Embrace the suck. There you go. D'Amico Ryan straight from the head coach's mouth. First year head coach for the Texans who has won the division 10 and 7. AFC South. They've won a wild card game. You know that the Texans are tied for the furthest they've ever been in franchise history. And why did you do that again, D'Amico? Why did all of this stuff happen? Embrace the sucking. 
There you go. There you go. Blankers, you coined the phrase. It's a great phrase because I, I think that both of you and I, both you and I believe in tanking. Like, if you're not going to be a playoff team, it's better to win two games than it is yes. to win uh, eight games and miss the playoffs by two. I know Battery Chuck on the Twitch. I know that there was a bunch of people quite, uh, on on the Twitch. Oh, you guys are idiots. You don't want that. You want to win six games, and then you want to win eight games, and then you want to win ten games. No, absolutely not. And you know why I embrace the suck was big, and D'Amico Ryan's agrees with us. You had the number two pick, and what? did you do with the number two pick you drafted the best rookie quarterback who looks like he's gonna be a franchise guy for at least a decade and is being like you know everybody's talking about how he's the the guy of the future he's the top tier he's one of the best quarterbacks of the nfl and how because they embrace the suck embrace the suck thank you Demico. that's music to my ears simply because of the fact that you love it when a plan comes together and it worked Right? And everybody said, well, it could have worked better. Well, no, it actually worked out just fine because, like you said, you got your franchise quarterback. You got a lot of key players that, you know, stepped right in and are helping you over and over again. And even if you didn't use all the picks, you had the opportunity to use some of those picks to do the kind of things that you did with trades and acquisitions as well. But, I mean, look, we didn't want it. We didn't like the fact that it was going to happen, but we wanted it to happen because, like you said, we've talked about this over and over. In professional sports, it's really it's either good to be really, really good or really, really bad. But the mediocre teams that hover around 500 or just squeak into the playoffs or just miss the playoffs, they sit there in futility a lot longer and struggle a lot more. And, and this was a pretty clear-cut solution to what was a massive problem for this team, this organization, and this city. I think two of the three teams in this city, and maybe a third coming soon, have directly benefited off of embracing the suck. The Astros' golden era was built off of embracing the suck for a long period of time. The Rockets have a chance to get there because they embrace the suck. Now they kind of need Jalen Green to be good, uh, so they kind of have a ways to go. But the Texans are absolutely there. And you mentioned, like, professional sports, and, yes, it's big in all professional sports. I would, I would even say that it's magnified more – in the NFL, I would throw NBA there too because I think the best player in a basketball team is just as important as a like a good quarterback on a football team. I think sure. they're parallel. I think they're evens. Like I'm not sure which one's more important: the best player in a basketball team versus the quarterback on a football team. I think they're even, but. I think that you can magnify the Texans embracing the suck because it positions you to take a quarterback. NFL teams consistently, now more so than ever, reach on quarterbacks because teams are always desperately eager to chase after a quarterback. And I get it. Like, if you don't have a good quarterback, you, you don't really feel like you have a chance to win at all. So when you position yourself with a top, in this case, two pick, you're positioning yourself at a shot to go after a quarterback that could be great. It could also suck. It could also be terrible. You could have and Bryce Young. So you do need good fortune here. It's not all embrace the suck, but it increases your probability. It increases your probability to take a top two quarterback and then maybe everything falls into place and you have a CJ Stroud. So it's embrace the suck and then you got a little bit lucky that you didn't have the first pick and you had to go with Bryce Young. And not to say that we don't know. Bryce Young could still turn out to be a good quarterback, but obviously mm-hmm. what you've seen from the jump, even starting off with the Baltimore game, but just what we've seen since, has led you to believe that you know you won the lottery. You got the, the best quarterback and the best player in the draft, and, and you are going to ride the riches of that for years and years to come. But when you look at it, and we talk about you know just the, the overall philosophy and embracing the suck, you look at the fact that, even with the best laid plan, sometimes it doesn't work out. But the fact that they were willing to take in a new general manager and structure it in such a way that whether they were going to tell you outwardly or not, 
they weren't chasing championships, right? They, we, we talked about bridging that gap and getting coaches that do that and some of the fighting Rex Burkheads and the players that do that. <laughs> and then having it on tiers and levels so at a certain point you were ready to, to take that next step up. And, and to the point you were making, I think it's great to have a real, you know, to, both in basketball and football to have a quarterback and a really a great basketball player. But we've seen that the majority of the teams in the league now in the NBA, it's two and three great players that end up or really, really above average players that make a great team. The quarterback's the most important position in all of professional sports and team sports. And the fact that you got him and we've talked about, you know, other teams and other franchises that have struggled year after year going through 10, 15 quarterbacks before finding that guy or getting that guy again. It can be just so devastating. So. You know what? It was a, it was a situation where it was the best laid plan, and it worked out better than we ever could have imagined because of the the, the fact that you know you got C.J. Stroud to start the entire process with. That's why Casario should just day one. Yeah, we're rebuilding because everybody like, look, this was yep. the plan, this was the foresight, this was all what he was telling us. But instead, he's like, oh no, we're trying to win. Blah blah blah. No, you weren't. Uh, King Remember Twitch, we said I that am... about? Sorry. Yeah. Remember we said that about both Rafael Stone and and. Uh, and Nick, just come right out and admit it because we're not stupid and we know we're not mad because of the fact that you're doing it. We're mad because you're in a situation that you have to. But we yep. said in both cases, just don't try and, you know, tell us the sky's purple. Just call it like it is. And I think people are okay with that, especially now. I think fans have kind of wisened up to that uh, where, yeah, you know, rebuilding is fine. Like, it's okay, and especially in this city because you saw the Astros do it. Uh, King of Twitch says, I embraced, embraced the suck. He's always our biggest fan. Todd says, I've never embraced the suck guy, uh, at least not for more than one year in football at least. Now, I do think things change fast in football. And, and, I, and like, Brendan was the guy who would always talk to us about this, like, during the show. Because I think you and I were like, it's going to take time. It's going to yeah. take longer than just a year. Brendan's like, no, you can change it in a year if you get the right coach and the right quarterback. Well, Brendan was right because it did change in a year. So I, I, I hear Todd the show on that. Dab says, can I stop embracing? Yeah, you can, you can stop embracing the suck now. Now we're rooting for wins because we embraced the suck for a period of time until it was necessary. And now that you have a good team, good quarterback, you can, uh, you can stop. stop embracing now you can eight, start eight, chasing six, right you, yeah, you go from exactly. embracing to chasing now you're chasing a chip because that's how good your franchise just got we're gonna have to change the last word too because i don't think anybody wants to chase the suck so we might have to no, change chase the, the chip uh, the mo- <laughs> yeah you could you could do that that's a good point eight eight six three he didn't say that to that question lol laughing emoji don't let the truth get in the way of a good story eight eight six three chill out a little bit two zero one three why do fans care so much when they're not the ones putting in the work on the field anyways i don't really understand this question you're smarter than me blankers do you get this question at all why do fans care so much when they're not the ones putting in the work on the field anyway I don't get uh, Yeah, I, I think that fans care because that's what builds that lifelong love of a team and an organization and the players that play it. I mean, you're asking – it's like, why do, why do we love French fries or pizza? I mean, you, you, you love the fact that there's a connection that you can't yeah. get enough of, and, and so you ride with every move that they make and everything that happens. Yeah, I don't really get that. 8863, the, the one that he said, that he didn't say that to that question – I mean, there's a lot of editing people's uh, comments these days. I don't know if you saw that NBC story, but uh, a lot of editing going on with people that are answering certain questions. Uh, 1565, does CJ keep other players around because of his character? Players that will play for less to play with CJ. Uh, What do you think about that, Blingers? Uh, Look, you and I have had slightly differing opinions, but at the same time kind of on the same page and wavelength of Mm -hmm. there are going to be players that want to play 
with C.J. Stroud. There's no doubt about it. There's going to be players that identify just what we said, uh, quarterback and coach in place with lots of other pieces around. You, why wouldn't you want to go and play with that, play for that quarterback and play in that organization? The big thing, to your point, is is that yeah, you want to go play there, but you're still not going to settle for a lot less. If if you can get, you're going to chase the bag, and if the bag gives you a decision between Team X or the Texans, you're probably going to lean Texans. Yeah, it's always uh, it's always case by case. Like every player is different. Like you have your guys that chase money, and you have guys that chase titles. Uh, I I would say that the majority of players that are free agents, if the money's the same, I think that they will look uh, at the Texans a little bit harder. Now, I think where the Texans can really make their hay are, are with the guys who've already been paid, like Jadavion Clowney. Like you're gonna you're gonna see him this week with uh, with Baltimore. Like you can get that type of player on a very reasonable deal because you're a contender. And I think that's where Nick Casario can really you know, do wonders because I don't think they're going to be shopping at the top of the market. But because you're a good football team, now you can fill out your roster on cheap, affordable deals because these players have already gotten paid with really talented football players. And I think that that improves your depth a tremendous amount. Well, and I think you mentioned this previously, but it's also going to be the veteran player that's made big money in his career but maybe hasn't won a chip that knows, hey, if I hook my wagon to this franchise for the next couple of years while I still have something left in the tank in my career, I'm going to be chasing success and the possibility to win a ring, and I still got enough of the tank to where I can help this team. That's what you're going to see. You're going to see the guys that maybe maybe not have won a championship before but have probably collected some good checks in their career that are going to look to say, hey, where can I go where I can still be a part of and contribute to a team that's got a chance to win it all? 713-780-ESPN. How much do you give uh, the Texans success to embracing the suck? D'Amico gives it a lot. Uh, 713-780-3776. So the weather is going to be the weather on uh, Saturday. The weather is the weather. Uh, C.J. Stroud in those weather games. Uh, Joe did a bit of a dip, deep dive on this. What do the numbers tell you? Big deal, little deal, no deal. 713-780-3776. It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. Back to the Mobile Veritex Community Bank Studios, live at the decoy, and your favorite drive-time sports talk, the Killer Bees. Here they are, Joel and Jeremy. He's blank. I'm Bradham. If you're looking for a spot Saturday to watch some Texans football, if you're looking for a spot to watch some USC 297 and not pay a dime, well, the decoy's the spot. Decoy in Spring Branch here on the Texans. A giant 24-foot indoor TV. Massive 185-inch TV on the patio. How cool is that? If you're wearing your Texans gear, you get $2 Modelo drafts. That's a steal. Uh, Mexican candy shots all day. After the game, stick around for UFC 297. A really good card. And enjoy $19 Modelo beer towers. $100 Don Julio bottles. If that's your jam, the decoy, your home for all UFC and boxing events. And always with no cover. Uh, act now, though. Visit the decoyhtx.com today. Reserve your spot right now. Also, uh, Texans advancing to the divisional round. So this Saturday, ESPN 97.5 of the Texans postgame show, special postgame show after the Ravens game. Win or lose, tune into ESPN 97.5, twitch.tv slash ESPN 97.5 for instant reaction with Michael Connor, Josh Beard, and Paul Gallant. Blankers, did you get asked to, to host that show? Uh, no, sir. I I didn't either. I didn't are either. You, are you available? Little... I mean, your schedule right now is pretty. I mean, again, don't let the hectic. truth get in the way of a of a good rib here. 
You know? No, I know. I, I, <laughs> I honestly didn't know. I was asking. No, I'm not. I am not. I'm, I'm not available at all. But I bet you Joe didn't know that. Seven one three seven eight zero. I can look at a U of A basketball schedule. Didn't ask the killer bees, huh? Seven one six nine. I can see CJ working his contract like Brady if he has sustained success. I hope so. Like I have, I can't predict it. I, I, I would like for him to. That would be cool. Like if he, if he's willing to do some favors for the organization by taking less money. Hey, tip my cap. I will like you even more than I already like you, and I like you a lot. Um, I have no idea though. And he's a Mulligetta client, so that kind of yeah would be a counterpoint. That's that's almost to the point of saying it's like what Altuve would have to do with Scott Boris, where he says, I know how you normally do things. This is where I want to be, and I'm willing to take a discount to do it. Because Mulligetta is the kind of guy, and just what we saw is, they're going to try and set the standard and, and make sure that they get every penny of what, what they think their client is worth. I, I think in terms of CJ, it, it's fun to think about that or, or hope for that. He's going to get his initial contract and make sure it is very much worthy of what he deserves. And then maybe maybe later on down the road, as they get multiple players that are impact big-time players on this roster, maybe that's when you would see something like that. Yeah, there's just there's no way to predict it. You, you never nope. know which way it's going to go. Some some will give you a hometown discount. Some will not. Uh, Lance McCullers is a Boris guy. He gave you a hometown discount you thought at the time, and then he, he hasn't played a whole lot. And now people hate that. So you just never really know how it's going to go. Seven one three seven eight zero three seven seven six. Here are the uh, here are the two types of our listeners. Here, this is a good little sample. Eight eight six three said it before on Twitter. I'll say it again. You guys are the best. The gold standard. Didn't know if I'd enjoy a show as much as Fred and. AJ, this one is the one. And then 4106, for some reason I thought Brandon was going to be off today. I guess I'll ride home in silence. Uh, I prefer the latter. Which one do you prefer, Blankers? <laughs> I think you already know. <laughs> I, I think I'm you guys show. already know. I, I'm all for sunshine and rainbows when it comes to the listeners, and we can just and, and good dialogue. I'm glad you said sunshine and rainbows because it's a great segue to Joe George's deep dive on C.J. Stroud and weather games. I forgot to look up the weather in Baltimore on Saturday. Uh, I've been I've been looking at it each and every day just to see what that weather is supposed to get to. So here is the uh, the weather on Baltimore. The weather is going to be the weather, but here is the uh, projection right now according to weather.com. Sorry if that's an old antiquated you know use of figuring out the weather in different cities, but it's what I do. High of 27, low of 22. It's now partly cloudy skies, which means the sun might be out for a little bit, yep. and the wind at 18 miles per hour. What's the I just don't uh, like what's the your wind. which? Yeah, at least it's not in the 20s. I think 18 is doable. Uh, for me, but it's it like will, north of 20. Yeah, I hear you, but you know, even then, close as you get to 18 to 20, you're going to have it. It can impact the ball a little bit, and you just don't want anything hindering. Of the two quarterbacks, I think the better passer is CJ, and you don't want anything to affect that. But other than that, the weather I'm actually ecstatic about because you know what you don't want is below 10 and or with the wind chill taking it close to zero, and then you don't want a lot of precipitation and or snow on the ground. So their field already stays pretty 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 good condition and, and very clear. If you can get some sunshine and, and you get it in the high 20s, that's that's best-case scenario. Yeah, that wind, if I'm putting like a – like. I guess, like, awful weather number on it. I would say that's like a five. Like, I don't think the wind is something that I'm keeping my eye on. The temperature I'm not really worried about. Yeah, no, I like the fact that the temperature's like that. you got to be concerned, and through experience, I mean, I just would say anything like, you know, 15 and under, but especially like 10 and under, 
that's when you really got to be focused on it. If you're in the 20s, you're in good shape at this time of the year on the East Coast. Grove on Twitter, I laugh when people say this is not the same Texans team from week one. Hell, it's not the same Ravens team either. Lamar didn't play in the preseason, and that was the first game since his injury in a new offense. Man, I can't wait until Saturday. I agree. Both teams are completely different. Yeah, I alluded uh, to that too. Yeah, I mean, both teams are completely different. Like you, The Texans have grown a lot, but so have the Ravens. And the Ravens have grown into what, in my opinion, is the best team in the NFL. So I, I agree with that. All right, what, is this, uh, what does this research of CJ and weather games look like, Joe? Big deal, little deal, no deal. What did you learn when you looked up CJ Stroud and these weather games, I'm assuming in college? Yeah, these are all college games. Uh, definitely less games than I thought it was going to be. Uh, some like weird 67-degree days in Columbus. Uh, you know, like that second mission game in 2022. So I found three games in which CJ played in a game that was 41 degrees or lower. Mm-hmm. Uh, his total stats were 74 completion percentage, 1,067 yards, nine touchdowns, zero interceptions. Sheesh. He was 2-1 and one in these games. The one game he lost was the 2021 game versus Michigan when J.J. McCarthy went off. But, I mean, pretty what good. What did he do in that game? What did he do in that game? CJ? Yeah. 34 for 49, 394 yards, and two touchdowns. Gee, what was the score of that? Was it a shootout? Uh, I don't remember what the score. That was the one that Michigan won, but, uh, and they scored a bunch of touchdowns late. So I think they won by like two touchdowns. And that one was 28 degrees. Office. I think CJ said he never beat Michigan in his career. Uh, that's correct. He never beat Michigan. Yeah. yeah, they lost in that game. Yeah, they lost that game for sure. Sorry, I have a co-host in the studio with me. Big deal, little deal, no deal. So those numbers are pretty good. Um... I put more weight on that Michigan loss than any others. Like, to put 394 against a Michigan defense with a couple of touchdowns, and it looks like that was the coldest game. That yeah, by, it was in. the coldest by far. Like, it was the only at, one sub, at, sub-freezing. Yeah, was it 28, you said, Joe? Yeah, the other ones were 41, looking at your notes yeah. here. So yeah, they both are 41. That's that's, that's, that's kind of like, it, the numbers are great, but again, it, it's, it's, it's a totally different ball game, no matter if you're in the Midwest or the, or the East when you start talking about the fact that you get into January. I think that Big Ten football, yeah, to your point the other day, Jeremy, it is the coldest conference in the, in the uh, of the big conferences in college football. But even still, I mean, as much as people used to always say about, oh, it's tough to play at Wisconsin. No, it's not. Not in September and October and even in November. Blake, I've got to stop you here. What, like, what? what is the difference between November 28 and January 28? In Wisconsin? I'm a just big, saying, if or, what's, or anywhere, what's the difference? Big, what's the difference between, yeah, what's the difference between 28 degrees in November and 28 degrees in January? I, no, I'm saying traditionally, you're going to stay right around upper uh, upper 20s and and above freezing in a lot of cases. Right, but, but through 20s, November, 20, December, no matter right, what day of the, the calendar it is. First of all, in January, you don't get to 20 very often. In, in January, late January, in the Midwest, it starts. You get a ton more precipitation, and you get a ton more. Uh, of not only of the temperatures dropping below, free, I mean, below you're talking zero. about the prevailing weather. Like, I, you, I, I hear what you're saying. You're talking about the prevailing weather. Like, what's what's like the normal conditions in the months of those states? And you're right. Mm-hmm. Like, January is a colder month than those. But right. if it's 25 degrees, it's 25 degrees. No, no, I'm saying in terms of this week, it's great because it's really yeah. tough. It's tough to say that anything that he played in the Big Ten and experience is going to prepare him for the NFL. But the good news is he's probably not going to have to prepare for what we thought was going to be worst case scenario. Area when we started talking about this, which was under 10 degrees and possible yeah. wind and precipitation, because that's a whole different ball game. The KC weather this right, past right. week, the Buffalo weather this past week, and you're right, like Stroud's a better thrower. So I, I think that the wind and the nasty weather uh, impacts 
the passing offense. I mean, the Ravens will throw the ball, but Stroud's a better thrower than, than Lamar. Uh, Joe had in his notes here, too, Stroud was asked if he could, like, which two things he would change in the NFL. He said, I would say that everybody has to have a dome if you're in a cold area and two more cool uniforms. I don't think that uniforms are meant to be so generic. Tradition is fine, but I think that would make the game more fun. He said, every cold game in a dome, but it's okay. You get used to it. Actually, I love playing in the cold, but it's love-hate. So, I don't really know what to make of that. Quote I don't either. I just, he sounds like I, he's I sitting on the it, fence. It, it was all these Michigan blogs who were tweeting about how CJ was soft because of that game in 2021, which CJ said all of his teammates had the flu and it was cold in that game. So they were just trashing him for his quotes. So I was like, that seems kind of relevant to the conversation. These, I mean, yeah. these numbers are good in the cold. Now, Stroud had good numbers in every game. So is that a big deal? Is it a little deal? Is it no deal? I, I think it's a. I don't know that it's any deal. I think it's no deal. I think that you know uh, the, the quote tells me obviously if he had his preference, he doesn't want to play in cold weather. But who does, right? I mean, yeah, there are some people that I guess are, are born and raised in it and love it and just can't get enough of it and, and think that they have this huge advantage. I'm here to tell you from a Packer fan that has seen home playoff games where I used to think, hey, we want them at our place in January and we're going to have a huge advantage. And then I saw two losses in two straight years going, yeah, no. I mean, it, it's the talent in your locker room and the amount of thorough talent you have on your roster regardless. Yeah, it can it can have an impact for sure. But, I mean, the bigger thing that I've, I've been accustomed to seeing is you, you can play them you know, on, on a, in a dome. You can play them in bad weather. But talent's going to rise to the top. And I think CJ's got enough Tua. talent. Unless you're Tua, in which case anything below 50, you're lousy at playing it's the true. quarterback position. I think it's a little deal. Uh, I don't put much stock in the Michigan State game at 41 degrees. I don't put much stock at the Maryland. In fact, I don't put any stock in either one of those. Uh, I'll put some stock in 28 degrees against your arch rival in a, in a game that you lost, but you were still 34 for 49, 349 and two touchdowns. Uh, I'll, I'll put stock in that, but it's only one game. Uh, so I'll give it the uh, the little deal. Big deal, little deal, no deal to you. 713-780-3776. I took a look at Lamar Jackson in weather games. Is that a big deal, little deal, no deal? It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5, ESPN 92.5. Back to the Mobile Veritex Community Bank Studios, live at the Decoy, and your favorite drive time sports talk, the Killer Bees. Here they are, Joel and Jeremy. I guess that depends on who you ask. Uh, nine six four seven winners win. Weather don't matter. Sixty <laughs> thirty guys. CJ played at Ohio. You think he hasn't played cold weather? I think the the weather narrative is dumb. Well, Joe just gave you the games he's played in yep. the forty one and below. See, I, I I believe that a lot of times. Well, that guy plays in Ohio. That guy plays in Minnesota. Uh, that guy plays in Detroit. Even though they have a dome and they they're used to cold weather. Do you see that question of Todd Bowles? By the way. Somebody asked, uh, "Have you? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Have you prepared your team, trained your team for the cold weather? Detroit's forecasted for like these sub-freezing temperatures, and Bulls is like, well, they have a dome. <laughs> that was that definitely was a like great. a stringer or some news department just sent yeah. just random. You're probably right. Announced. It was probably like a local newscaster that has never paid attention to sports in their lives. Yep. Uh, but here's the counterpoint on Lamar. L- Lamar Jackson has played the the. The weather degree that I used here, or the, the temperature that I used here, was 40 or below. So a lot of these games are like 38. Like, is that significant? Like, eh, depends on who you ask, I guess. He, it, 
Lamar's played 11 games in his career at 40 and below, nine of which came in the regular season. The first one was December of 2018, which was 27 degrees, which, I mean, that's pretty significant. They lost at Arrowhead that day, 27 to 24. He was 13 of 24, 147 yards, two touchdowns, ran it 14 times for 67 yards. Second time, December 1st, 2019, they won the game, 20 to 17, 40-degree day. Lamar was 14 for 23, 105 a touchdown, but he ran for 101 yards on 16 carries. The next one was the very next week. They beat the Jets 42-21. This is a regular season game. It was 33 degrees, so just just above freezing. He was 15 mm-hmm. for 23, 222 yards. But he threw for five touchdowns in that game. 86 yards on eight carries as well. Yeah, I mean, he went, he went. it's weird because he threw five touchdowns, but, like, the passing game wasn't that nuts. Like, just super effective whenever they were in the red zone. Uh, December 8, 2020, Baltimore home for Dallas. They smoked them 34-17. It was 38 degrees. Lamar was 12 of 17, 107 yards, two touchdowns a pick, but ran for 94 yards and a touchdown. December 14, 2020. Ravens won a shootout over Cleveland, 47-42. It was 34 degrees. Lamar was 11 of 17, 163 yards, but ran for 124 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, December 20, 2020, Baltimore beat Jack. They hammered Jacksonville in the uh, regular season. It was a 1-13 Jacksonville team, 40-14, 39 degrees. Lamar in that game was 17-22, 243, three touchdowns. Probably his best passing game in the cold. Then December 27, 2020, against the Giants, uh, 27 to 13 in 38 degree temperature. Lamar 17 to 26, 183 yards, two touchdowns, but ran for 80 yards, 13 carries. January 3rd, 2021, regular season game, smoked the Bengals 38 to three. 39 degrees outside. Lamar 10 of 18, 113 yards, three touchdowns, one pick. 97 yards, 11 carries. Hang with me. I'm almost done here. Uh, November 20, 2022, Baltimore beat Carolina 13-3, 36 degrees. Lamar in that game, 24 for 33, 209 yards, an interception, ran for 31 yards, and a touchdown. Here are the two playoff games where he's played in sub-40 temperatures. January 10th, 2021, they beat the Titans in Tennessee 20 to 13 when it was 33 degrees outside. Lamar was 17 to 24, 179 yards in a pick, but ran for 136 yards, 16 carries. And the final one, playoff game, uh, was January 16th, 21. Ravens lost to the Bills in Buffalo 17 to 3. It was 34 degrees, and Lamar in that game 14 for 24, 162 yards, ran for 34 yards, 9 carries. What I've noticed here is that Lamar doesn't have really good throwing days when it's yeah. cold, but he runs, runs it at a off. really high level. That's the first thing I was going to say was, well, I understand that his completion percentage has never been great, and he has a tendency to, to, to maybe throw one or two to the other team. And then on the flip side, he, he, he finds a way to run, and I know that that was at a time when Greg Roman was running the offense and they were more kind of centered on him getting a lot of yards with his legs. But at the same time, I mean, what's what's everybody's solution to beating bad weather when it's bad and there's you you have to run the football and he's fully capable of that. So, I mean, that's the biggest the, the biggest takeaways for me. Yeah, I think that to, I think that you try to force him to throw the football. Like if the weather matters at all when it comes to Lamar and those tendencies of Lamar playing in sub forty degree temperature days, like even the five touchdown game, he was what thirteen for twenty one. Like he didn't throw for tons of yards. He was just super good in the red zone. 
uh, I'd like to go back and look that game and see how those touchdowns came because I feel like they were probably like on the goal line, you know, like second and goal yeah. from the three little rollouts and stuff like that. Uh, but if, if I learned big deal, little deal, no deal, I would say it's a little deal. But I do notice that trend. That's the thing that sticks out to me. I think Lamar overall played pretty good in those games, like not that far off from like his career norm. I don't think that he was impaired really by any of those. But I think that there is more of an emphasis. And it might be different this year because they're a different offense. But I think that there was an emphasis more on, hey, Lamar, take off and stop throwing the football as much. Yeah, no doubt about it. I think, you know, whether it was a big deal or a little deal, it was a telling deal in the fact that, at least previously, that – he knew that this was a game that he could basically take advantage of by using his legs because of the fact that, you know, he's got a special talent that not many, if anybody, has. And that's what you got to look at. you got to look at it from a defensive perspective of, hey, if we force him to throw the football, he might throw it to us, but he doesn't throw it at a very high completion percentage. And then we've got to basically stay in our lanes, hold the edges, and really make hyper uh, sure that we're uh, hyper aware at all times of the fact that pretty much any opportunity he gets, he's going to run. That's where I'm at. Uh, to me, they they need to force him to uh, to beat him through the air. Like if you lose to Lamar Jackson because he throws to 300 yards, I can live with that more than if he ran for 150. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, look, I know that they've made a conscious effort to give him more weapons and change the way they play. But you know what? You really can't change his his stripes completely. And you know that if if he's one of the best, if not the best, running quarterback in the league that and that we've seen in quite some time. This is the time you put it all on display. You don't care what the narrative is. You don't care if every, you, know, you or every, the offense or the organization said, we need to throw the ball more. You want to win a football game. And if he wants to, especially because he's trying to change a narrative too, if, if he can win a football game by using his legs and just getting out and running like he hasn't done all season, he's going to do that. Uh, Adam Schefter just reported that Mark Andrews is a full participant at practice today. So it looks like he's trending to play uh, Saturday, which would be – massive for Baltimore because you get a really good uh, target depending on you know his efficiency is he 100 percent 90 whatever and then how much he plays but he's uh, rather if I'm Baltimore I'd rather have him on the field than not have him on the field so it looks like he's trending to play they would have to open up a roster spot for him which no big deal like okay you get rid of guy 53 that wasn't going to play anyways uh should I be concerned about a couple of guys on the Texans injury report that were limited in practice yesterday and did not practice today? Uh, Will Anderson limited yesterday, did not practice today. John Grenard limited yesterday, did not practice today. No, not at all. I, I think shouldn't that, be that they were I, no, limited I don't, yesterday. I, no, okay. I, I think that that more than anything else is we knew already that both of those guys have been dinged up, and, and in the case of Grenard, you and I talked about. Look, he, he, he didn't have to do too much, but he also came off the field at one point in the game spiking his helmet down in frustration like maybe he had tweaked something or, or re-aggravated mm-hmm. something. So in a game that's coming up that's as big as this one, I'm not really concerned because they were full participants last week. You know, they, the, the fact that as long as they're ready on Saturday, they're going to be fine, and I don't think that it's in anybody's best interest to make sure that these guys practice during the week they're going to do get every bit of medical attention that they can possibly get 24 hours a day to make sure that they are as close to a full go on Saturday as they are. And I think that they're going to do – I'm surprised they didn't do it more, but I think that those are two guys in particular that you have to be hyper-careful with. It just kind of feels like a reversal. Like if you were limited yesterday, but then why aren't you limited today? Why are you DNP today, but you were limited yesterday? Uh, I hope that you're right. I'm not as concerned with Anderson because he's played and he's finished games. 
And Grenard, I'm a little, I'm, I'm more concerned with Grenard than Anderson because he didn't come back into the game. You know, like it, it yeah. gives me, it gives me confidence and assurance with Anderson that he played through the finish and didn't reaggravate anything. Whereas Grenard, he left the game. He left the game, and you mentioned like he was visibly upset. And I know that the score was the score, and you weren't going to put him back in. But for my peace of mind. I don't know his status because the last time we saw him, he was leaving the game because of an ankle injury, whereas Will Anderson finished. So that's why I'm more concerned about Grenard than Anderson. I think the other thing, too, Jeremy, in, in regards to that, though, is is where we're, where we're at in the football game when, you know, you, you always talk about and point out sure. astutely about the fact that if you're in control of a football game, whether you're up big or down big, don't put your key players out there, especially guys that have, are, are fighting through injuries. And so if he, if he did re-injure something or not, but if you were in a position in the game to sit him, sit him. Don't care no, if you sure, finish the game sure. or not. Yeah. But, it doesn't, but it doesn't alleviate your peace of mind of, uh, is he available on Saturday? Because you're really you're clueless. Like, you're guessing. You don't know the severity of the injury. Where if he came back in the game, not that he should have. Not that he should have. But let's say right. it was a tight game and he came back in. Well, he came back in. He must have been okay. But because he didn't come back in, we really have no idea. I just pulled up last week's injury report to see if there was like if there was uh, some things that correlated. Like the, mm-hmm. just mentioned Anderson and uh, Grenard. They, they were limited yesterday and then did not practice today. The only person that that happened with last week was Andrew Beck. He was limited Tuesday, did not practice on Wednesday. But Anderson and Grenard both did not practice Tuesday and Wednesday. So it doesn't seem like they would like today would be a normal practice day for them anyways. So that makes yeah. you feel a little bit better. Uh, yeah, tomorrow I think looks a lot like of, was the big day, though. Yeah, and that, that's what I was going to say. As you get closer to game day and you start, instead of just kind of walking through game plan and, and scout team and doing all those things to, to show tendencies, when you really start getting down to – more more of like full speed, this is what we're going to do kind of things. You'd like them to practice. But I know just from my experiences in the league, in basketball, especially in a playoff series, the gamesmanship is also done from that regard, that you're going to sit guys, you're going to give the other team the perception that either there's a chance they are going to play or not going to play, whatever. But, you know, you really are, are not going to do anything to jeopardize those guys during the week. So, this isn't like midseason, and you know this. I mean, we're not looking for guys to get good practice in there and make sure they keep their wind up and do these things. You just need these guys who are fighting through injuries to be as close to recovered as they can be. Yeah, it looks like tomorrow's the indicator because last week Anderson was limited, Grenard was limited, Collins was limited, Rankins was limited, Woods was limited, and then they all played. So tomorrow's going to be the day that I'm watching closely. Uh, 713-780-ESPN, HRMP listener line. Would you give Hector Neris, and I've seen some numbers floated around today that we'll talk about. You but if you, me. We know the bullpen is in rough shape right now. Would you sign Hector Neris to the Rafael Montero deal? Seven one three seven eight zero three seven seven six. Killer Bees. ESPN ninety seven five. ESPN ninety two five.